This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Broad Talk Radio. <laughs> Starting a brand new week here, folks. We are live. Uh, the show will be podcasted later, and it will be um, kind of recorded, but it'll still sound like it's live because I'll still be saying it's live, but when it's recorded, when it's a recording uh, a processed episode. All right, welcome to uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your um, well wishes and things of that sort for some people, uh, things of that sort. And uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, it really helps me to uh, want to do the show even more, want to write even more. But I know some people out there, they're not into this kind of thing, but that's that's them. But uh, I'm glad for you. And um, it is 50, well, it was 54 degrees in the city of Chicago. Uh, that is too normal. I mean, that's in the middle of January. It's 54 degrees. I mean, that's like spring almost. You know, that's like spring. It's it's just been a wild roller coaster weather ride. And I'm hearing that now in the city of Chicago that it's going to get worse. It's going to uh, do a lot of raining. I mean, like rainstorms and stuff like that. Lightning in the middle of January where it should be snowing <laughs> we've had a lot of snow and i hope wherever you are in the world that the weather is um not as bad or as in the city of chicago where i am okay and uh it and and i want to say to people uh, you know dress uh appropriately dress warmly no matter if it's 60 if even if it's 60 degrees out outside still put on something because you never know when the weather might change uh, in a, uh, and it can change in a second. So you want to make sure you're prepared out there, even though, you know, it feels great. I mean, it really felt great in the city of Chicago today. I mean, you had people out here walking out uh, in the streets with no coats on, <laughs> no sweaters. It was just that nice. But still in all, it's you have to keep in mind that it's still January 2018. It's still January the middle of January. And as I just got through saying, the weather, especially in the city of Chicago, can change every time you change, every time you turn the corner. So you really have to be prepared for it because now it's getting ready to change again. And the meteorologists are saying it's going to change for the worst. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's, it was gorgeous. The weather today has been really, really gorgeous. And I have no complaint about that. I have no complaint. I mean, I think we deserve it because it's been so damn cold in the past, freezing our butts off, you know. And um, but now it's it's great out there. I mean, we were out there all day today before I before I came on the air, uh, and it was beautiful. It was great. I mean, you saw all these people, young girls, young guys, uh, people in general, uh, just taking advantage of the good weather, which they should, but they should not get too complicit because as I've just got through reiterating, this is Chicago and this is January. Things can change at the drop of the hat, you know, but it, but Hey, it's 
nice outside. Whatever <laughs> you are in the world. Uh, and that's good wishes from the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, my guest today, the marquee says Sonia, 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 and Sasha. Sound like the Bar- Barack Obama's children, doesn't it? Uh, Sonia and Sasha, speakers. There's, I, I'm, I'm assuming, motivational speakers. And you, as usual, the commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show, political commentary, sometimes it can be. And as always, hate has no home here. Be nice to one another. That's the only way. But the more you say, the more I say be nice to one, one another, somebody is rude somewhere. You know, okay. We all know that Republicans cheat, lie, con, bullshit their way into office. Basically, I'm saying don't lose sight of their misdeeds to win the election. We're going to talk more about that later on, I guess. Okay, hate has no home here, and make sure you vote, 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 vote. Uh, I want to say once again, even though, even though I do, even though I can't speak, folks, even though I do support some democratic ideas and some democratic positions and maybe even a few policies, I am not a Democrat. And I, I know people are thinking that, but I am not. I'm an independent. I, I look at both parties and I see criticism and I give that criticism to whatever party I think deserve that, that kind of criticism. I don't want to think people to think that because I, you know, have liberal views that I'm a Democrat or progressive or anything like that. No, I'm not. I am an independent. So try to keep that uh, um, at the forefront of your mind when you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. You know, Yes, I was a Democrat. I mean, I was. And one of the reasons why I left the Democratic Party, because I ha- I've gotten so sick of being, and so many others, I've gotten so sick of being disappointed uh, by the Democrats because the Democrats uh, are weak. Um, they, a lot of them have no spine. They pick fights. But this, that's the problem with the Democrats. They pick fights with the Republicans, and then, you know, they give in. They give up, <laughs> as they've done with this, this the Dreamer thing. Uh, yeah, the Dems are about to give Trump his wall, no protections for the Dreamers. And my understanding is that they're, they're going to be, there's going to be a compromise to open up the uh, government open the government back up, even as today. So the Democrat, the Democrats have given some concessions. And I, I was hearing somewhere where it says the Democrats trusted Mitch McConnell. They, they put their trust in Mitch McConnell. How could you put your trust in any Republican? But the Dems obviously did because it was widely report, reported that they put their trust in Ms., Mitch McConnell to, uh, I guess, to live up to his promise of, of not deporting uh, seven to 8,000 dreamers in America. But how could you literally, figuratively, put your trust in Republicans after what they've done and what they're doing? This is why I am not a Democrat. You know, um, they picked a fight. However, they did not bring ammunition. 
you know, so and I'm hearing that they are about to give Trump his wall and 85 to 90 percent of Americans, they do not want a wall. But the Dems, what it, it seems, they're coming around to supporting a wall in order to get concessions or, or what they want for the dreamers. Nobody wants the dreamers to leave. I don't want them to leave. But I don't want a wall either. If it was, uh, if it was a choice whether to have the dreamers here or have the wall, you know, uh, of course I would uh, 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 I want the dreamers here, you know. But I don't want the wall. So the re the Democrats, I understand, is going to give Trump the wall, and Trump is going to give the Democrats the dreamers. Something to that effect. I'm going to get more information on it. So don't don't quote me on that or anything because, you know, that's the feeling and the gist that I get as I you know uh, understand this all. You know, so and then there's a lot of people who are pissed off and I you know I'm posting all over the place and saying hey wow the Democrats are about to cave into the to the uh, Republicans. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're wrong, George. That's not right. The and, you know, it's all over the um, news that this is happening, but, you know, they're not being as blunt as I'm being, but that's what's happening. The Dems are caving in, or they have caved in, and I'm not the only one saying that the Dems have caved in on this deal. Uh, you've got some Democratic representatives in the, uh, in the House, they're saying the same thing, the Dems caved in on this thing, you know. They're trusting the Republicans to stick to their word, and we all know the Republicans do not stick to their words on anything. These kids going to wind up getting deported, and the Dems, they're going to lose this fight. But I do think that America will still be backing the Democrats. The, the America will still be in the corner of the Democrats, regardless of, regardless of anything, because uh, people just don't like Trump's. So the so the Democrats will still, I think, have an edge on beating the um, uh, uh, winning in the midterms, November 2018 midterms. However, you know, um, the Democrats they have to be careful because their support is eroding because even among Democrats, because they're such cowards, they're such you know. They give the hell in. They cave in to – and the the supporters, the people who are supporting the Democrats in Congress, they're pulling their hair out. They said, we don't know what the hell these people are doing. But you you got some diehard Democrats who who will not believe anything. You tell them, hey, the Dems are caving in. That's not true. They're lying. That's lie. They're not caving in. The, the Republicans are just devious. The Dems are caving in. They have caved in. I don't want to say it. I don't like thinking it because most independents, they are uh, sort of um, compatible with what the Democrats do. Like Bernie Sanders, for instance. He's, a, he's an independent, but he caucuses with Democrats. He will say that the Democrats have caved in. The moment I get off this show and this show is locked, locked in, I'm going to go all over the place and I'm going to hear from one 
senator, Democratic senator after another, one House of Representatives, uh, Dem after another, and they're all probably probably going to be on the same page that the Dems um, failed at this. Because one of the things I think that they have failed, and I'm, I don't want them to fail, I, and I hope that I'm wrong, that they've caved in on this. But too many people are saying it, and it's in print, um, and it's not fake news. Uh, I don't want them to cave in. I don't want them to fail. I want them to be I want them to stand their ground. But the Democrats, the Democrats, if you if you go back two or three decades, you'll find that the Democrats, uh, they hardly ever stand their ground. It was it's like Barack Obama. He would pick a pick a fight with the Republicans on something uh on some issue or policy facing the country and soon those times we were just pulling our hair out at, at Obama caving into the Republicans so much. But this is what it's due. I know uh, they don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. Some of you guys even know it. You've gone through it. You've you lived through Democrats caving into Republicans. Maybe that's why we here where we that's maybe that's why we're here where we are today. Democrats caving in. You know, they uh, obviously they're not going to admit it. At least some of the people who are in negotiations with Donald Trump, they're not going to admit that they caved in. They're going to talk below us over our heads. They're going to be talking mush and spinning and uh, double talking and all this kind of stuff, spinning to make and sounding good at it. But they're never they're never going to say that they caved in. The rest of us are going to say that. You know, the Democrats picked this fight, okay? They wanted to save the dreamers, but yet they, but they, and that's why they allowed the government to shut down. And they, they were saying that it's not going to open back up until the dreamers are, are uh, uh, here, until some of them can apply for U.S. citizenship. But they've got nothing, and the government is opening back up. So they lost this fight. And in three weeks, we're going to be right back where we are today. Government shut down. Dreamers this. But the thing is, folks, I think the Democrats, okay, I have nothing against these kids, these dreamers, okay? They're, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you think of it, no matter how you feel, the dreamers are illegal. They were brought here by their parents when they were young they know they don't know anything about Mexico or where, wherever else they might be deported. But still in all, the bottom line, they are illegal. Why would the Democrats, if you think about it, why would the Democrats fight so hard to keep people here who are illegal than to fight for those who are here who are legal? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I think they should stay, but I don't think they deserve the kind of fight that the Democrats are giving them. You know, I think I think they should be putting their fight into people who are were born here, who are Americans, who work here and do and play by the rules. Uh, they should be uh, representing those people and not representing people who are illegal. 
and that that's just my fault that's just my not my fault but my opinion that's my uh uh take on it now i want to say this again i i actually wish they do stay because they pay taxes they work hard they are not criminals most of them are young i mean you've got some dreamers who are teachers doctors uh, lawyers you know and they will be deported if this thing isn't solved there's no doubt about it so i don't know uh but the fight is just ridiculous to me you know why fight to keep people here who are illegally when you should be putting your energies on those folks here who are legal that's my that's my take on it that's nothing against the dreamers you know but there's no way you can not say that they're not illegal okay all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show at 621 uh <laughs> 621 straight up chicago time I- i'm just still trying to get used to the it being so nice in the city of chicago and in other places around the country and it's still january i'm still trying to hang my hat on that you know so all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show once again. The uh, uh, marquee shows here that's Sonia and Sasha. Sound like the Obama children, right? Uh, on the George Wilder Jr. Show, it says here they may be motivational speakers of some sort. We'll find out if they come aboard. All right, we're going to do this. We will be right back. Yeah, it is so beautiful, isn't it? It is great out here, but, you know, it's not going to last, folks. It's not going to last.
as he surely will be, he will be testifying under oath. When Donald Trump Jr. is subpoenaed to testify to the grand jury, he will be testifying under oath. And when Donald Trump becomes the second president of the United States to be subpoenaed to testify to a grand jury in an... Joe, uh, David mentioned your piece in this morning's Washington Post, uh, which you titled, quote, I asked Trump a blunt question. Do you read? And you wrote in part, quote, we are a nation that spent the past 100 years inventing the modern age, winning World War I, defeating Hitler, winning World War II, and liberating half of Europe by beating the Soviets in the Cold War. But today we find ourselves dangerously adrift at home and disconnected from allies abroad that made so many of those triumphs possible. The world wonders how the United States will survive Donald Trump. And I ask, what will finally move Republicans to deliver a non-negotiable ultimatum to this unstable president? Will they dare place their country's interests above their own political fears? Or will they only move to end this American tragedy when there is nothing left to lose. And uh, Joe, I would posit to you that uh, they're not going to do this until their own political interests line up with what you say the country's interests are. Yeah, and you know, Gene Robinson, you wonder if they wait until the party is wiped out in 2018. You wonder yeah. if they wait until 400,000 people are dead on the Korean Peninsula, uh, including maybe 50,000 to 100,000 Americans, you wonder exactly what's going to make Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan stop stop fearing uh, a segment of their base uh, back home or a segment right. of their members. You just, what exactly will it take? You have, this is extraordinary. This has never happened in American history before. You have the national security, forget all of his staff members that are already uh, have already pled guilty and are cooperating or are out on $10 million bail. You now have his current national security advisor, his secretary of state, uh, his treasury secretary, uh, Gary Cohn, uh, everybody around him saying that he's not fit to be president of the United States. I have been saying for some time now, for over a year, that you had people running his campaign who believed that he was in a state of pre-dementia. You have reports now that, that over the holiday weekend, he was in Mar-a-Lago, heavily made up, repeating himself, not recognizing people. I, what is a triggering event? Because I've got to say, throughout most of history, the triggering event would have already occurred. What exactly will force Republicans, if not to remove him from office, to go there and say, Mr. President, you have two weeks. You have yeah. two weeks to stop tweeting. You have two weeks to start acting responsibly. You have two weeks to start acting rationally. You have two weeks to stop threatening nuclear war. You have two weeks to begin to filling out these cabinet agencies. You have two weeks to begin, begin acting like a sane and rational human being, or we will take the action that every Fortune 500 company, every college university, every public interest group, every high school football team would take, and we will move to get you out of office or recommend to the cabinet that you do that. Why can't the Republicans do that when so much is at stake? Well, um, that's, you know, the, the most important question before us right now. And, and the answer, I, I've, look, I've, I despair that they will ever 
do that. Um, uh, I would, uh, at this point, uh, I wish they would just uh, uh, fulfill their constitutional responsibility. Congress can uh, can constrain and restrain an out-of-control president in various ways. Congress has the, the power to investigate, uh, to uh, the power of oversight, the power of the purse, um, uh, and uh, can do a lot of things uh, to exert pressure on, on a president and try to keep him uh, between the guardrails. But this Congress won't do its job and won't do its duty, and I, I see no reason to expect that to change. I, look, I think the duty of the American people is in November to elect a Congress that will, and let's hope we get to November. Um, but yeah. but to elect a Congress that will, uh, and uh, this is not in terms of partisanship. They can be Democrats, they can be Republicans, they can be Independents, whatever they are. That they're that they are patriots. That they that they are willing to do what clearly uh, is their job, their constitutional role, right now in this extraordinary situation. All right, Gene Robinson, thank you so much. And we'll, of course, be reading your column in The Washington Post. David Ignatius, uh, quickly, um, you know, I wrote about uh, the gains that we have made as a country over the past century with the help of allies. Um, but how, what happens if we continue on this trajectory for another two or three years uh, to everything, all, all of the alliances and organizations that we created after defeating Hitler. Um, what happens with the power dynamic between China and the United States if China is handed the advantages over the last three years that Donald Trump has ceded to them over the past year? What does the next president of the United States do? How does the next president unring these bells? The structure of American power that Donald Trump and Steve Bannon very deliberately set out to try to deconstruct uh, is weaker. They have had some success over the last year. U.S. alliances are weaker than they've been in my memory. Our, our relationships with key traditional allies, Britain, Germany, uh, not where they sh should be. And, and China, in particular, is moving aggressively to take the place that the United States has held in the world since, since 1945. Is this damage going to be permanent? Uh, will it, will it, can it be repaired by a, a president who follows Donald Trump? That's the question we're, we're all wondering. I just would know one thing, Joe. Our military is around the world. It's in relationships with every major military. It, it continues to exercise, uh, share information, plan. Same thing with our intelligence agency. It's the biggest, most powerful intelligence agency in the world. It conducts liaison every single day. Somebody comes to visit Mike Pompeo at his headquarters from a foreign intelligence service, and they talk. And So the structure of American power is pretty durable. And it's, although it's getting these terrible attacks in this period from, from the White House, I, I think we should understand that there's a lot of momentum that continues. All right, David Ignatius, thank you so much. Also, uh, enjoyed reading your column in the Washington Post this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and Heidi, what are you going to be reporting on today on the Hill? 
Well, I have a story out today, actually, Joe, on White House officials who briefed me yesterday on the president's plan to meet with congressional leaders at Camp David this weekend. The president's trying to start out 2018, Joe, the way that many analysts think he should have began 2017, which is on a populist economic proposal of his own infrastructure. He spent 2017 on taxes, Obamacare repeal. That is ripped straight from the traditional Republican playbook. So what I'm told by White House officials that is that when he gets congressional leaders in that room, he's going to say to them, look, Mitch McConnell, I know you have your own priority this year, which is a two-year spending bill. Look, Paul Ryan, I know you have your own priority, which is entitlement reform, but this is my priority, and this is 2018, and this is what you're going to do. However, there's a big stumbling block here, Joe, and that is funding. Where are they going to get the money for this infrastructure proposal? You go down the line, the tax bill that created a $1 trillion deficit, the repatriation money as part of that tax bill that Trump's own economic advisors had talked about using towards infrastructure, gone to lower corporate rates. And here we are talking about approving $81 billion in new spending on hurricane relief. So I don't know how they're going to get even some of these red state Democrats necessarily to go along with what should have been, many argue, in 2017, his top priority. All right. We'll see you this weekend. Heidi, thank you so much. Mark Leibovich, as always, thank you as well. It's always great having thank you on you. the show. Thank all, all right, of you. And so out on Morning Joe, Michael Wolf is speaking out to NBC News this morning about the president's reaction to his new book. He wants to know, quote, where do I send the box of chocolates for helping himself? So we many- all want to know, right? Okay. Tell me what you want.
Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. A little bit of the entertainment there, folks. Uh, I want to get back to the Democrats. Some say they're caving in. Some say there there needs to be more work done. Some say that we're going to give them more time. Mm. After uh, Senate Democrats voted uh, for a three-week government funding extension, Republicans and liberal progressives seems to agree about one thing, Democrats had caved. They caved in. Some Democrats had, had, after all, voted to reopen government without a legislative fix on the deferred action of childhood arrivals. DACA, okay, immigration program, they had essentially accepted a deal that Senate Majority Mitch McConnell was willing to give Democrats, you know. So in other words, they screwed this because they are now trusting uh, a Republican, uh, the most hated, one, the second most hated man in America, Mitch McConnell. The Democrats trusted him. Uh, wow! And with a soft promise of a vote on DACA on the on a DACA bill and a three-week government funding extension, not four, three. So in three, as I was mentioning earlier. Um, Three weeks from now, we're going to be back in the same mess and with no protections garnered for the dreamers, which is what this all. Instead, the Democrats have given uh, Trump his wall, and the Republicans have given Democrats nothing. This is what Democrats do, folks. They put up a good fight. They, I mean, it's all over the place with the Republicans. It's a good fight. You know, policy issues, the people, and after this and after uh, uh, a short fight, the Democrats just say, they all with it, cave in it, give, it every, give everything to the Republicans. It, was, it happened in the Obama years. The Democrats cave. They don't have the fortitude to finish the fight. They cave in. You know, I mean, some of these folks are probably bought and paid for like the Republicans. But I still think that the Democrats will win back something in 2018. And they have to be careful. They will, they will, and they are susceptible to losing. This is why uh, Democrats caving in, this is why they lose. Democrats, America, the American people and America we don't want weak ass leaders. We don't want leaders who put up a good fight, but before the fight is over, 
they just cave in and give up everything. This is what the Democrats are about. This is why they've been losing for so many decades. Because people don't want weakness. This is why the Republicans, as wrong as they are, as backwards as they are, as hateful as they are, but they know how to win elections. Whether if they're cheating, they, but they know how to win. Democrats have the right message. They're on the right page on their side, but yet they cannot close the deal because they crumble like a wet sack of ice, melting ice. Just give in, give up, and to hell with it. Now, I could be a little bit ahead of myself because, you know, uh, uh, we have another three weeks, and, and we're going to be right back where we are with a government shutdown of today. What have they co- accomplished? You, you ask yourself, what has the Democrats accomplished? The Republicans have accomplished more out of this than the Democrats have. Of course. They, because one of the reasons why the Republicans have accomplished more out of most out of this deal is because they're in control of all three branches of government. However, but you know, um, uh, the, the Republicans needed uh, Democrats on this deal, on the deal uh, for the Dreamers, you know. But they Republicans got what they want. And now they are uh, trusting uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to keep his word, a Republican, to keep his word. The American people would have never gone for anything like that because we know how the Republicans lie. We know how they change their minds. We know how they back up uh, and do a lot of things differently uh, from what they wanted to say they wanted to do from the get-go, this is a mess. This is a mess. I have a lot of people on social media disagreeing with me. A lot of people don't know what the hell they're disagreeing with. They just want to disagree with George. You know, and they don't want, they, they're trying to hide this, their heads in the sand from the truth. Republicans, Democrats caved into the Republicans. And this is not just the George Wilder Jr. show saying that. This is uh, Senate Democrats who are saying it. The American people, majority of the American people who are saying it. And we are um, really, really upset with the Democrats for giving Trump his wall. And then getting nothing in return. This is supposed to be a negotiation, folks. Uh, they gave uh, this was a negotiation, and it failed miserably for the Democrats, as always. But I do think that the, uh, that there will still be a Democratic wave come November 2018 because of the people who are just can't stomach Donald Trump and the people around him. So I do think that will still happen, regardless of of, of the uh, weak need. Spineless Democrats, and they are weak need led by Chuck Schumer. Oh, I mean, if you ask them about the cave in, they, they're not going to admit that they caved in. They're going to be talking double talk, uh, talk all around you, above you, over you, but they'll never say 
that they actually gave in to the Republicans. You know, even though everybody else is saying it, right? You know, and and it's a shame. It's it's a shame. We wanted the Democrats to stand their ground. We wanted the Democrats to fight for these young people. We wanted the Democrats to fight for the American people because the American people want these young people here. DACA dreamers. We want them here. Democrats couldn't. As I've said earlier, the Democrats picked a fight with the Republicans and they brought no ammunition. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you know, and that's the way it's been with the Democrats. You know, I mean, uh, you've heard it first on the George Wilder Jr. show. They are uh, pitiful. And this is why they lose, because another reason why I'm, I'm trying to say this is why they lose. This is another reason why they lose, because people don't want weak ass win because they appear stronger than the Democrats. Even they, they've got this propaganda television show, Fox News, that lies through its teeth every single minute of the day, but they get results. They uh, 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 sway people's thinking, backwards thinking, but still they get results. Democrats have everything on the ball. They go f- pick a good fight, but then it's over. They get stepped on. It's just awful the way uh, the Democrats cannot uh, win a fight. And this is how they lose the elections. They lose the elections because the American people can't stand spinelessness. We can't stand weakness. We want strong leaders. We want courageous leaders. We want brave leaders. We don't have that in Congress. We don't have that in Democrats. We want it, but we don't. There are so many people who are saying, wow, we need a leader. We need it. Where's Barack Obama? Barack Obama said he is not going to be another Martin Luther King. He's not going to be another Malcolm X. He's not going to be another Megger Evers. He's not going to be another James Bowen. Because, as always, and, and as I've always felt, you may disagree with me, I always, felt, I always felt that Obama was just a coward. I, I felt that he was a coward because uh, during his eight-year tenure, tenure as president of the United States, if you go back and you and and you do your research, um, Obama caved in. I've been about ten, maybe five or six times during his uh, or more uh, time as president of the United States, and we were all. <laughs> I remember we were all just so disappointed that he came to a fight and didn't bring any ammunition, and the Republicans just ate him up. And that's when they started uh, winning elections, lying, conning, bullshitting. And it worked for the Republicans because America, America thought the Democrats were just weak. You can apply any narrative to that that you want. Just thought the Democrats were just damn weak. And I think they are also. And I am not a Democrat. This is one of the reasons why I left the Democratic Party, because they were just always getting their butts kicked because they couldn't stand up. The, their spine was not there. You know, so maybe, you know, it's just awful 
you know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Democrats cave in again uh, to Trump. And uh, if you don't if you don't believe me, just do some research around the internet. Uh, uh, um, and uh, check out some of these uh, not fake news sites, but some of these legitimate news sites from legitimate uh, publications and even ch- talk to your senator or representative and they'll probably tell you just this what I'm telling you the Democrats caved in to the Republicans and some feel that they have actually given the Republicans Donald Trump his wall and they've got nothing on uh, for the dreamers one of the things they did that they do have they have a promise by Mitch McConnell that he will bring it to the floor or he will bring it to a vote Mitch McConnell has no uh, Mitch McConnell has no uh, really uh, insight into keeping any of his promises Yeah, but the truth is more complex than winners and losers. Yes, the liberal base may be upset that the Democrats took less than a DACA fix exchange for ending the shutdown. But that's only relevant if you actually think Democrats could have gotten a DACA bill as a result of this shutdown. And the shutdown wasn't hurting Democrats at all. No, it wasn't. The, the shutdown was not hurting the Democrats at all uh, leading up to the 2018 midterms. It may hurt them now a little bit, not much, because they went to a gunfight with no bullets. <laughs> they went to a gunfight with no bullets. And Republicans are happy to claim throughout this three-day government funding lapse that the Democrats had made a error in blocking government funding bills. So it's odd that GOPI's Democrats had also made an error in ending their shutdown. And still, uh, all of this show and nothing uh, to show for it. And the Democrats should be embarrassed. But I'm pretty sure the talking heads are going to go all around the media, talk shows, uh, cable talk shows, radio uh, shows, and they're going to be talking about how this is not a cave-in. But everybody else sees it, sees it as one. They just gave in, gave up. The Republicans got what they wanted. The shutdown is over, actually, folks, because this, uh, the Republicans got what they wanted. Democrats, from my standpoint, got nothing. Nothing. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. It is such a great day in the city of Chicago, folks. I hope it's great for you. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh.
person who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday is the one Democrat who was president, who was present, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, a leading advocate for Dreamers and other immigrant groups. In a series of press appearances this morning, Durbin recounted exactly what happened inside the Oval Office. The president came into the Oval Office and Senator Lindsey Graham and I made our presentation. As Senator Graham made his presentation, the president interrupted him several times with questions and in the course of his comments uh, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. We have a group that have temporary protected status in the United States because they were the victims of crises and disasters and political upheaval. The largest group is El Salvador, and the second is Honduran, and the third is Haitian. And when I mentioned that fact to him, he said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments, calling the nations they come from shitholes. The exact word used by the president, not more, not just once, but repeatedly. My colleague, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, spoke up and made a direct comment on what the president said. I was very proud of him. It took courage for what he did. And um, I made my own comments in response to it. But for him to confront the president, as he did, uh, literally sitting next to him, took extraordinary political courage, and I respect him for it. He said, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come to this country. Why don't we get more people from Norway? That was exactly what the president said. I'm joined now by Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. So, Congresswoman, you have Dick Durbin saying that when uh, immigration from Haiti or the TPS situation from Honduras and Haiti and El Salvador was described, Donald Trump said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians uh, on the question of Africa? He called those nations shitholes. That was exact word used by the president, per Lindsey Graham. And then uh, the last bit here, Donald Trump saying, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come for this country. Your thoughts, Congresswoman? Well, you know, I have called him uh, what I know him to be for a long time. Uh, remember some time ago I called him scumbag? Uh, I've called him a racist, deplorable, despicable, uh, added to what others are calling him, a moron, ignorant, on and on and on. The United States of America is represented by the most despicable human being that could possibly ever walk the earth. I don't know when Americans are going to tire wow. of this lying man. Uh, it has been documented that he has told over 2,001 lies since he has been in office. He name-calls. He basically disparaged a United States congresswoman and basically said she would do anything for a contribution. Talked about, as you know, during the campaign, grabbing women by their private parts. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment uh, for this country. Our allies are quickly moving away from him. What are we waiting for? He is basically bringing this country down. And for all of those Republicans on the other side who stand with him, who who claimed to have been patriotic, they are not patriotic. They are with not the guts to stand up or they join him as racist. And so I 
I have known this. Uh, and I've called for his impeachment uh -huh. over and over again. I've been criticized for it, but I don't know Anywhere. what else we need to say about him. I know a lot of people are saying, let's see what Mueller is going to do. Is he going to connect the dots? Well, this man has obstructed justice right before our very eyes. We keep hearing about all of these meetings and connections with the Russians uh, by his family and others. I simply believe that not only has he colluded, and of course he has obstructed justice, but his character is such that the United States and the citizens of this country, rather, should not be willing to tolerate. He's a bad image for our children, and he should be impeached. We should move him out of office. The American citizens who are fed up with him are looking for Congress to take responsibility and do what we must do and impeach him. Get rid of him. Get him out of here. And, and you know, Congressman, you, you hit on a point, because when you say, how much more can we tolerate, and, you know, I think all those of us who are in this business hear from people all the time, what can we do? And it, the, the truth is that only Congress can rein in a president of the United States and that impeachment or censure has to begin in the House of Representatives. I want to play you two pieces of sound from the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and the way he reacted to Donald Trump's racism back on the campaign trail and the way that he reacted to what we just learned Claiming that the president said um, in the Oval Office. And this was, these are those two things. And this was, the yes. first one is June 2016. Here you go. Claiming a person can't do the job because of their race is sort of like the textbook definition of a racist comment. I think that should be absolutely disavowed. It's absolutely unacceptable. First thing that came to my mind was very unfortunate, um, unhelpful. Um, whether you're coming from Haiti, we've got great friends from Africa in Janesville uh, who are doctors who are just incredible. And uh, I just think it's important that we celebrate that. First piece of sound was when uh, Donald Trump disparaged Judge Curiel, saying that he's Mexican, therefore he can't judge uh, a case against Donald Trump. What do you make of, of, of the declination of Paul Ryan's outrage from June of 2016 to today? Well, evidently, uh, he is not a real leader. Uh, and I wish I could say he didn't have the courage of his convictions, because I don't know if he has any. Uh, but I know this. History will not be kind to him, uh, to these Republicans, and to those who are basically standing by him, embracing him. As far as I'm concerned, they're confirming uh, that they're just as bad as he is. And so for Paul Ryan, uh, who is supposed to be a leader, who, you know, occupies the speakership, uh, for the Congress, for the House of Representatives. He is irresponsible. He is not providing leadership. He's not doing his job. We need to get rid of him also. And, and, and Congresswoman John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, of course, civil rights legend John Lewis, is not going to be going, he says, to the State of the Union. Are you going to go? Oh, no. You know, no, I didn't I'm go not to going. the inauguration. I'm I didn't not going go to watch it on television. Uh, you know, the joint session the that was held Screw after it. that. I don't intend to go to this one. Why would I take my time to go and sit and listen to a liar, to someone who lies in the face of facts, who's someone who can change their tune day in and day out. What does he have to say that I would be interested in? I don't trust him. I don't appreciate him. And I wouldn't I waste like my him. time sitting in that house listening to what he has to say. He does not deserve my attention. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, definitive as always. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Maxine Waters. Love Maxine Waters. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance.
I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump, period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon. If Trump is smart, or just sufficiently scared enough, and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. 
The fifth end game is the same thing, only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment, and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend but it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing, again, recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it and I repudiate none of it. And it has been my privilege to do it and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, 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 
the title of the 46th <laughs> episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. Go ahead, Keith. No illness, no scandal, no firing. Just, I've said what I've had to say. It was as obvious as I made it seem. I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. This is not to say a bed of roses and reconciliation awaits us. The post-Trump America will back. be relieved of his come prodigious evil, but in its place it will have Trump as living martyr. That prodigious evil and rank hypocrisy and immorality of his supporters, perhaps a third of us, will not vanish with him, and I'm not sure that the democracy has not been damaged too much to deal with their lawless, unprincipled rebellion, and I do not see this country's politics truly healing in the next 30 or 40 years. But at least the bleeding will be staunched. And we will have a chance to alter a phrase I heard somewhere to make America, America again. Thank you for all the kind words and all the support. Have fun story. All right. Thank you, Keith. Thank you very much for that. Whoa, I said it once, Now I'm going to say it, say it, say it again. Each is own. You do what you want to do.
The liberals are still filming at the uh, worst negotiator in Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, after a deal to end the shutdown. Yeah, I, I was just stating, folks, they got nothing out of this. They came to a fight and they forgot to bring ammunition. Uh, the New York senator is even worse than President Trump, one group said. Yeah, he is not a good leader. Trump, I mean, Schumer should go. I don't know. He was negotiating on the ha behalf of the Democrats in the Senate and around America, and he just caved in to Donald Trump, uh, giving Donald Trump the wall, doing nothing for the dreamers. And they are still susceptible to deportation. And, and as I've mentioned, the Schumer is uh, made a deal with uh, Mitch McConnell. And how can you trust uh, Trump and Mitch McConnell? You can't trust them. But, but somehow Schumer uh, has trust in them, hoping that they were they're going to bring this DACA thing. Uh, dreamer uh, uh, bill to the floor and have a vote on it. How can you trust them to do that? They don't have they don't have to do any of that. And how can he trust Trump after? I mean, you look at Trump's history, even his first year as president, as president, all the wild and and accusations, all the lies, all the BS, all the garbage. And how can you trust him? Chuck, Chuck Schumer, I mean, this is bad for the Democrats. I don't think it's going to do much in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, not winning the House and the Senate in November. I just think this is just a blot, another blot on the Democratic uh, calendar as these guys and girls are just weak, they're just uh, 
cave in, give up, come up. They come in with a great fight, a good fight. They're going to protect the dreamers because they want the dreamers to stay here. The Republicans want to deport them. Obviously, deporting them, the government is back open, so they decided to shut down the government, but it's back open as, as I speak now. But the Democrats, they put on a good show, but they got nothing for it. The, the Republicans won this. Republicans win because the Democrats cave. The Democrats, they cave the hell in every time they are trying to negotiate something with the Republicans. Chuck Schumer should be thrown out of the Senate. He, someone else should put some balls and some gumption and some strong uh, sense of wanting to do the right thing for the American people should come in and replace Chuck Schumer. The guy gave in. The other day he called, he said that no, negotiating with Donald Trump was like negotiating with Jell-O. That's all, uh, that, that's a non-starter now. Nobody's looking at that. Nobody's uh, 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 saying that that's what they want to hear because it's what a lot people wanted to hear, but the Republican killed that argument because Schumer didn't get anything that he wanted. He didn't get anything that the, the American people wanted. We got these weak-ass people calling themselves representing us. We need somebody with some backbone, some spine, some gumption, someone who's not afraid to take on these jackasses in Congress. In other words, to take on the ruthless, diabolical, criminal organization known as the Republicans in Congress. The Republicans are walking away laughing at Schumer and the Democrats because they got nothing out of it. This is why the Republicans win. They win because they're nasty, they're loud, they're evil. <laughs> they like to cheat, con, bullshit their way. And this is, I mean, if I was a criminal, if I was a thug, if I was a liar, if I was a con man, if I was a, 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 a bullshitter, I would probably join the Republican Party. But I'm not. I say that because they win. Democrats lose because they have no spine. They have no guts. They have no, uh, <laughs> they have no balls. They have weak knees. I mean, how, how, yeah, I'm angry. I'm angry that the Democrats brought nothing to a fight that, that they picked. And as I've said earlier, this is the same thing that, that happened a few times, maybe more than a few times, in the, in the Obama administration. Remember all those times when we were, we wanted Obama to to fight the Republicans and and he caved in. It was all in the media, computers, and tell Obama caved in. Obama administration caved into the Republicans. He did, and he did it more than once. And it's continuing on after he is fully, fully out of office the dems just can and this is the same thing that happens when dems when the democrats are in control when they're in control when they were in i think it was 2009 2010 they were in control of the senate the house 
and uh, it was a, uh, I think it was a 4-4 tie. at the Supreme Court because uh, one of the uh, justices had had died, okay? And, uh, uh, but still, the Democrats couldn't get anything passed five times since he, uh, maybe more, uh, uh, when he was in office. I, I used to think, and a lot of us thought that Obama was actually afraid of the Republicans. Uh, I remember John McCain saying at one time that Obama was a coward. He came out and said it. He said Obama is a coward. And we we used to all sit around and say, hey, wow, the Republicans got his number. They know what Obama is about. You know, so and it's still going on after he's out of office. The Dems are still caving in and lying down, getting their asses kicked by some ruthless criminal enterprise called the Republicans on Capitol Hill. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me right here. Uh, It's been a great, I'm so glad you folks joined me after, we're starting a new week here on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We have some great guests coming up that's going to be on the show. We just hope that that happens because anything can happen. You know, people forget to put their uh, time, uh, write their time, that they're supposed to be on the show on their calendar. They forget they have something else to do, but it would be nice if people could, if, if guests do not decide they don't want to be on the show to let me know if they decide that they're going to not do the show. I wish they would, but a lot of times they do, but some do not. And, you know, I don't want anybody that I feel may be blowing off the show. I'm pretty sure uh, that's not the case because a lot of times when someone forgets, to do the show, they'll email me or they'll call me and say, George, I forgot to, I forgot that I was supposed to be on your show today. I am so, so sorry. Can you reschedule me? And, you know, most of the time they get rescheduled. The George Wilder Jr. Show, make sure you follow me right here on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google. I'm all over the place. If it's a social website, I'm there. And also check me out on Amazon. All right.
Make sure you join me tomorrow, folks, and uh, we're going to have some more commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're going to have another great guest on the show. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great weekend. Great evening. (laughs) Anyway, we're off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.